Please open your Bible to the book of Romans. You'll notice on the front of your bulletin the verse, which will be the text for the morning message. It's Romans chapter 15, verse 3. We'll be looking at some other places in the book of Romans, specifically earlier in Romans 15 and then also in Romans 5. We'll revisit the passage which Mike Rogers read as we began to worship the Lord in song. Are you hopeless in El Paso? Well, if you are, you're not alone. And the one thing that I love about a new year, there's always the opportunity to have a regeneration of hope. The world seems to be obsessed with hope. Popular culture gives us many examples of this. Recently I saw two movies, The Justice League, and Superman is featured at the beginning of The Justice League. And you may remember, if you've seen the movie, he's saying this about hope. Hope is like car keys. Easy to loss, lose, rather, but when you begin to dig around, easy to find. Well, that's debatable about car keys. <laughs> the first part's right. Easy to lose. Sometimes not so easy to recover once we've misplaced our car keys or lost our hope. And then in The Last Jedi, the eighth episode of the Star Wars epic, Commander Leia speaks to her charges and she says, Hope is like the sun. If you can't see it, you don't believe it and you won't make it through the night. Well, that's getting closer to what real hope is all about. But the world's view of hope is quite different from God's view of hope revealed in the Scriptures. Because in the Bible, you're aware, I'm sure, that hope is something that is not simply wishful thinking. Secular hope, and we imbibe in that kind of hope ourselves, even as Christians. We hope things will happen. It's really a way of saying we wish those things will happen, and we have no control over whether they do happen. We just wish for them. But the biblical view of hope is based on the character and nature of God. Let me remind you that God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he promised, and will he not fulfill it? God can be counted on to be true to his promises. And our hope is built on the promises of God, which are based upon the character of God. He is a God who does not go back on His Word. That's why it's imperative that we spend time alone with the Lord regularly, for fellowship with the Lord, but also for receiving the promises which He has made to us. Are you aware that over 7,000 promises in Scripture are given to the people of God. If you are a child of God, those promises, many of them could have your name on them. And they just don't come out of thin air. You have to read the Word and listen to the Spirit. And God will apply many of those promises to your life. And your hope will not only be built up, but your hopes will be fulfilled. Because they're based on the Lord speaking to you. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You may be hope sick 
today. Heart sick. Because the Lord is deferring the fulfillment of the hope that He's given you by way of promise in His Word. Well, if your hope is flagging today, if it's failing, if you're heart sick or hope sick, whatever term you might want to use to describe the despair you're feeling in your soul, then the good news is this Word is for you today. It's really for all of us today. Because if we're not dealing with some degree of sickness in our soul related to deferment of fulfillment of the promises of God in our lives, then there will probably come a time when we feel like we're just out of gas when it comes to having hope. Job said this, Job, this righteous man who experienced all kinds of calamity in his life, he makes the statement in the book of Job about God, he has uprooted my hope like a tree. Reminds me of a bulldozer. There were no, were no bulldozers in Job's day, obviously. But I've seen bulldozers come and just, in an instant, uproot a big tree, exposing the roots, ending the life of the tree. Sometimes we feel like God has done that to us. But we misunderstand God. I'll get to that a little bit later. But maybe that's the way you sense God in your life. Well, here's what the Bible says about us. I love this. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, the Bible says, Because of God's great mercy, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive. And we who know Jesus have Him indwelling us. And His presence in our lives gives us resurrection power in resurrection perspective. It gives us hope. This is the message of the New Testament. It's the message of the Old Testament. It's the message of the entire Bible to us. So let's read our verse that will serve as the message for the day. Verse 13 of Romans 15 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the first thing I'd like to draw your attention to is hope's object. Hope's object is none other than God Himself. That shouldn't come as a surprise to you. But listen to what David, the man who is described as a man after God's own heart, said to the Lord. He says, My hope is in you, Lord. There was an exclusiveness in the mindset of David, and there should be, if we're going to be men and women of hope, there should be an exclusiveness when it comes to this whole matter of hope. We put our hope in the Lord. Because the Bible says, for instance, in Jeremiah 17, 13, that the Lord is the hope of Israel, the people of God. We have been grafted in, the Scripture says in the book of Romans, into Israel if we know Christ, even though we are not descended physically from Abraham, because we have come to Christ, and Christ is our Messiah too. Jesus is our Savior. He is our Lord. We have come, and we too have become part of the true Israel, the new Israel in Galatians 6 that Paul writes about. And consequently, He is the hope of us, too. Jesus is our hope. 
The unnamed psalmist in Psalm 71 says that to the Lord. The Lord is my hope. You are my hope, Lord. He is the object of our hope, and for good reason. Let's just consider three things that the Bible says about Him in terms of His character. Remember, our hope, if it's godly hope, if it's biblical hope, if it is genuine hope, it's the only true hope, our hope will be based upon the character and nature of God. God says this about Himself in the book of Malachi chapter 3. I, the Lord, do not change. That's good news. Because when God says something, He promises it and we can bank on it. We can trust the Lord completely. I, the Lord, do not change. The book of Lamentations, Jeremiah writes this about the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. When I woke up this morning, if you woke up this morning, and I'm hoping you're awake this morning. When we woke up this morning, you know what? God's mercies were new for us today. And among those mercies is hope. We don't need to be hopeless. We can be filled with hope as we're going to see. Because the object of our hope is none other than God Himself. The hope of Israel. And our hope as followers of Christ. And then in the New Testament, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible says, If we are faithless, He remains faithful. Speaking of God, for He cannot disown Himself. He's faithful to us, His children. For some reason, He has chosen to become our Father. And by virtue of His assuming responsibility for us as His children, what we know is He is going to be faithful to us. He will not filch on any promise He's made to us. Now, I must admit that I... As much as I love my two children, I have made a lot of promises to my children throughout their lives. I've had four decades of opportunity to do that. But there are some unfulfilled promises, I suppose. I can't think of any, but I'm sure in their minds they can remember, Yeah, Daddy, you didn't do what you promised me you would do. And in that, I'm unlike our father. I love my children. I would go out of my way to do whatever I could to help my children. However, I have made promises that I haven't fulfilled. Look, God is faithful. Even though we tend to be faithless, God is faithful. He cannot disown Himself. We could stop right there. You might say, please do, but I'm not going to. There are three other major emphases I see in this passage. The first of which, however, in the beginning point, is God is the object of of our hope. But God is not only the object of our hope, God is the originator of this hope. Look at the text again. Verse 13, notice the way in which it begins. Now may the God of hope fill you. The God who produces hope is the idea. Not only is God to be the object of our hope, but God is the one who enables the hope because it's his idea. This whole matter of hope originated with God. We're so grateful for that. There are means by which this hope has been originated in our hearts. Let's look at chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. The first means that God, the originator of hope, 
employs to really stimulate us in the area of hope is the Scripture. Look at verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. You get this? Please understand this. If you don't expose yourself to the Scripture, you will be hopeless. And the answer as to why you feel hopeless today can be traced to the fact that you're not under the supervision of God and His instruction through the Word of God. This is why I never tire, even though you probably do, of encouraging you to be in the Word of God daily. Why would we separate us ourselves from the possibility of having hope? It's there for the taking. God has provided the Scriptures and through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. Look at the next verse. Verse 5. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. So, perseverance is a gift from the Lord. Encouragement is a gift from the Lord. Anybody here besides me need encouragement regularly? We need it regularly. We know that because the Bible says our responsibility as well as our privilege as followers of Jesus is we are to take those things which He has said to us by way of encouragement. Let me interrupt myself here just a moment and quote from the book of Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4. This is what the Word of God says. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. Morning by morning he awakens me. He awakens me to listen as a disciple. Why am I awakened morning by morning? To meet with the Lord and then the Lord gives me something which encourages me, but not just for me. We're not to be cul-de-sacs, we're to be Reservoirs that overflow and streams of living water will come out of our innermost being and God will use the Scripture to encourage other people. You are going to meet more people today than you could imagine. Every day we meet people who need a word of encouragement. And it's not just slapping someone on the back and say, you're going to do better or putting your arm around someone, hugging somebody and say, you're going to be better. I'm not saying those are out of bounds for us. But if that's all we give people, it's going away quickly. But if we give them the Word of God as it relates to who He is first, and then what He has for us secondly, God will give you a Word every day to sustain the weary ones that you're going to meet during the day. If you'll just be disciplined enough and desirous enough to come and look at the Word every day, fellowship with Him, read the whole counsel of God, which is filled with insight into the hope of Israel, our God, and how He would wish to use you to minister to such people. Many of you are familiar with C.S. Lewis. Perhaps fewer of you are familiar with J.R.R. Tolkien. These men were contemporaries, but they were more than contemporaries. They were colleagues. They were more than contemporaries and colleagues. They were brothers in Christ. You might be surprised that Tolkien, 
who won the Nobel Prize for Literature, the highest prize any person in the field of literature could achieve. He won that prize. You might be surprised that he did not think his material, which was transformed into The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, you might be surprised that he almost didn't publish it. In fact, he almost trashed it were it not for the encouragement which he received from C.S. Lewis. Listen to his own words as he speaks of the influence of Lewis in his life. Listen carefully. Tolkien writes, The unpayable debt that I owe to Lewis was not influence, he put that word in quotation marks, as it is ordinarily understood, but sheer encouragement. He was for long my only audience. In other words, he would read his stuff to Lewis, believing he could trust Lewis instead of embarrassing himself with the others who made up their literary group known as the Inklings. And he would just read it to Lewis because he knew Lewis was sympathetic to him. He goes on to write, Only from him did I ever get the idea that my stuff could be more than a private hobby. But for his interest and unceasing eagerness for more, I should never have brought the Lord of the Rings to a conclusion. Encouragement was important for Tolkien. Lewis was his encourager. Lewis was his brother in Christ. The Bible says, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called a day. And the means whereby we are to encourage one another, it will be God encouraging people through you and through me. The means is the Word of God itself. The Scripture. And you can poo-poo that all day long, but you're going to be hopeless in your life. And you're going to be useless in your life as far as God's will is concerned because He wants you and me to be men and women who minister to other people through the Word of God. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart is what the writer of Hebrews says. Well, let's go on. We've looked at hope's object, God. Hope's originator, God. Let's look at the outcomes of hope. They're great outcomes. Go back to the verse in Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you will abound in hope By the power of the Holy Spirit. So, the outcome is we are filled with joy. The Bible talks about joy that's unspeakable. We really can't even put words to it. It's something that's internal. It's present by the power of the Holy Spirit. This whole matter of being hopeful is related to being filled with the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have joy. The fruit of the Spirit is, among other things, joy, isn't it? The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is our strength. Seek the Lord in His strength, the Scripture says. Seek His presence continually. In His presence there is fullness of joy, is what the Bible says. In His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Joy. Now may the God of hope fill you, listen, with all joy. 
Not just a little bit of joy, but with all joy. There's no lack of joy available to you. Jesus says this near the end of his life to his apostles. He says, I speak these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Why would my joy be full as I listen to the word of Christ when he talks about the fact that I am like a branch in a vine. I have to depend on him for everything. Why would he say that I would have full joy? Because it's His life in my life. Earlier in the book of John, John writes these words about Jesus. Of His fullness, speaking the fullness of Jesus Christ, of Christ's fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. That means if you have received Jesus Christ, you have all of Him. Inclusive is His joy. You have all joy. And if you're lacking it, it's because you're not applying what we're looking at today in the Scripture. Not only are we having all joy, that's effervescent, of course, but we're having peace. I love that. Peace. Just an internal sense of well-being that is amazing. In the face of trouble in particular... And Mike read from Romans 5. We won't look at it. I'm just going to refer you to it with these words. In addition to exulting in the glory of God, we are to exult in our tribulations. You know what that is? That's trouble. That doesn't make sense to us, does it? That's counterintuitive. To think about exulting, rejoicing in my trials. Well, that's what the Scripture says. Because we know that tribulation produces Perseverance. And remember, perseverance is a gift from the Lord to us. Perseverance, but it has to be preceded by tribulation. If I don't have trouble, I don't need perseverance. Right? Exult in your tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. The world's version of hope always disappoints. Maybe for a little while we get some encouragement from some fulfillment of some wish dream we have. But the reality is we find ourselves at the same place again, looking for some other source of hope. And the Lord is the only one who is such a source in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us peace. Peace with God. In Romans 5.1, the Bible says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How significant is that? It's critically significant. God is not our adversary. He becomes our friend. He chooses the way for us to become His friend by sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and being raised from the dead. Awesome. But we have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. We're filled with all of Christ. That would include His joy and His peace. He says in John fourteen twenty seven, My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives you, but real peace. So, the Lord has an outcome that's related to hope. Joy and peace, and that adds up to hope. That's very enticing to me. I want that. I think you do too. And the way we get it comes through the Scripture. And by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
is the one who wrote the Scriptures through people. Men and women over a period of about 1,500 years. He wrote the Scripture. And the Scriptures I've already mentioned, living, it literally throbs with life. It's the Word of life is the way that Paul describes it. And God uses the Word of God to give us the will to persevere. And He gives us encouragement. And He uses us as tools in His hand to minister to other people. The outcome is awesome. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God. And God Himself uses suffering, believe it or not, to help us to grow and become people of hope. Here's something that's not in the book of Romans, but it's something I must mention at this point about the outcome of hope. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. Always be ready to give an answer. And some of the translations translate that word. The word is apologia in Greek. Always be ready to give an answer to those who ask you regarding the hope that is in you. Look what happens. Here's what happens. When we are filled with all joy and peace in believing... And our hope abounds. And let me pause here for just a moment. The picture of hope abounding, it's a word which the Holy Spirit gave to Paul when he's writing these words. It's a word which was described, used to describe a river in the rainy season in that part of the world that filled to its bank's edge and then was so great that it overflowed and went everywhere. It was like a flood of Hope is what God's talking about. Do you know the Lord gives us this kind of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit of God? He gives us this kind of hope. And what happens is when we have this kind of hope, it will be noticeable. To lost people, people who don't know Jesus Christ, they'll scratch their heads when they know something about us. And they wonder, why is she like that? Why is he able to handle that? Well, the answer is to be found in the fact that we are men and women of hope because we have been encouraged by the Scripture, by the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of our troubles. And God is using us. Wouldn't it be great to be a part of a church that was filled with that kind of people? I pray for you this coming year. This is going to be my prayer for you this year. I'm committing before you today and... Please pray for me. This is a big commitment. But I'm, I'm committing to pray for every member of our church during every month this year. And this is going to be my prayer. I'm going to pray this prayer for you. Now, if I know more things about you in the specifics, I'll pray for those things. I'm also going to pray for your sanctification. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. I'm going to pray for these things, among other things. But I'm going to pray for your hope. We have the opportunity to pray for each other this year. And if we start praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't have access to all the people like I do in terms of names on a list. And the names are more than names. They represent people, right? But you sit around people every time you come here. Make it your business as a brother or sister in Christ to get to know people and let them know that you're praying for them. You talk about encouraging people. Nothing will be quite as encouraging as that if you and I will do that. And 
the good news is that people will ask us and people will come to faith in Christ when they understand it's Jesus, the man-God and the God-man who made it possible for us to be men and women of hope. When everybody around us is searching frantically for hope and so many people are despairing and so many people are giving up on their lives because they have no hope. But we do. It is the final apologetic for the Christian life, I believe. It's the strongest witness you can have. And that is to be a man or woman filled with the hope that God only can give to you. Well, let's move to the last thing. We've talked about God's object, God. God's origin—I uh, mean, hope's object, God. Hope's originator, God. Hope's outcomes, what? Joy, peace, and fruit. People who come to know Christ. Now, let's consider the obstacle to hope. This is something we must consider. And look again at our text. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That simple prepositional phrase, in believing, it's critically important. And the word believing does not mean one-time expression of faith, but a lifestyle of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, the Bible tells us. And how is faith developed? Faith comes from hearing, according to Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the Word of God or the Word of Christ. God gives us His Word. We hear it. How do we hear it? We hear it when we open the Bible up and read it daily. Listening so that God can fill us with hope and we in turn can be agents of hope on His behalf to other people. Well, lack of faith is the big obstacle to your or my being men and women of hope. And as I thought about that, what form does unbelief take, this lack of faith? Why are we people who lack faith? One reason is just ignorance. And I don't mean to insult anybody. I'm not talking about intelligence here. I'm talking about insight that can only be received through the Spirit of God. Some people are blind to the whole matter of the possibility of hope. And the reason is because they're dead spiritually. The Bible says, before we received Christ, we were without hope in the world. Why? Because we were without God in the world. Ephesians 2.12 says that. So, we don't have hope because we don't have God. But when we have God, we have hope. And that hope is conveyed to us through the Scriptures, by the Spirit. That's why people who are PhDs sometimes, brilliant people, people that put most of us in the shade intellectually. That's why they don't get it. They can try to read the Bible and it's a closed book. After the worship service this morning, after giving this message, I was interacting with a brother in Christ. He said, that was who I was before I received Christ. He said, I saw a guy that was a guy who was full of what you were talking about. Hope. He had joy. He had peace. And I couldn't figure him out. I scratched my head. I noticed that he was reading his Bible. So I got a Bible like he had. I began to read it. And it made no sense. He said, I began with Matthew and I couldn't make 
any sense of it. Now, this is a guy who's a very intelligent guy. Maybe not Ph.D. level, but way above average intelligence. He didn't get it. Why? His eyes were closed. The Bible says, simple prayer, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law, namely your word. That's a simple prayer. Pray that prayer before you open the Bible. And the Lord will answer that prayer. And my, my, and that eventuates in ignorance, doesn't it? I can't understand it. I don't have insight. Now, for me as a believer, sometimes my ears get plugged. And they're plugged by my own sin. I don't get rid of the sin which I have. Jesus says, He who has my commandments and obeys them, it is whom I love. My Father loves rather, and I will love Him, and I will reveal myself to Him. So if you're having trouble as a follower of Christ, you really know the Lord, but He's not speaking to you. It doesn't seem like you're getting any encouragement for your life. No real perseverance there. No hope. Well, ask the Lord to search you as David did. Search me, O God, and try me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there are going to be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, 23, 24. Ask the Lord to, to expose those things to you as you hear Him speak to you in your word. His word, rather. So, ignorance is one thing. In Jeremiah 29, 11, I bet a hundred people could quote this verse who are here today. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. The word translated welfare in the New American Standard Bible is the word shalom. I know the plans I have for you, plans for shalom. Shalom means the best which life has to offer, not simply the absence of conflict. I know what I have for you, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Here's why we don't have any more hope than we do. We don't know what the plan of God is. It's another matter of ignorance. We need to spend time alone with the Lord, listening and receiving what only He can give us in the way of hope via the Word of God by the Holy Spirit, illuminating the book that He wrote explaining it to us. We have the author with us if we know Christ. So we are at no great deficit. In fact, we're at no loss at all to understand the Spirit of God will teach us. John says you have no need of anyone to teach you. Why? You have the anointing. What's that all about? you got the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. And the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. And He will guide you. We read about Joseph from Psalm 105. And the Bible says about Joseph, that's the story of his life condensed in about eight or nine verses. But it's a great condensation. Good snapshot of his life. And did you catch what he said? Until his word came to pass, and the his was a little age, that would be Joseph's word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Do you know how long... It took from the time he got that word when he was a teenager, probably 17 years old, until it finally came to pass. A minimum, a minimum of 20 years. And I think that's a conservative estimate. Probably more like 25 years 
He waited. And it tested him. Look, when the Lord gives you a promise, be sure you will be tested by it. You will be. But as you trust God with that promise and you do not let go of that promise, then your faith is going to grow. And your resolve will continue to strengthen. Because you're coming to the Lord, coming to the Lord. You're crying out to the Lord. Lord, when? 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 And the Lord says, it's in my hands. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in Isaiah 46.10, where it says, The Lord knows the end from the beginning. We only have a partial picture. God has the whole picture. And what He's doing in this interim period is He's conforming us to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. We're ignorant. It's our own fault. It's because we don't come to the Word of God and ask the Lord to open our eyes that we may see what He has for us there with a heart to repent of any sin that He exposes in our lives as we read the Word and to be useful to Him with men and women who are full of hope. It's exciting. We're indifferent at times in addition to being ignorant. We're indifferent. We think, well, I've got time. You know, manana. And someone has said the only time on the devil's clock is tomorrow. The Lord's clock, I have a clock that was given to me by a dear brother in Christ who's part of our church. And instead of having the numbers where you would see the numbers around the dial of the clock, you see the word now. Now, 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 now. Wow. I took that off my wall a long time ago. But this is the Lord's will for our lives. That we spend time alone with the Lord now. So that we can be filled with all joy and peace in believing And so that hope will abound in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We're also blocked from hope because of a lack of faith exhibited in our independence. We want to do it ourselves. Well, this life is not about independence. If you're on an independent track in your life... You're in for a train wreck, believe me. It may be going great for you now, but just give it a little while. Remember this when it happens. That the Lord says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, you're, you're arguing with the risen Christ here. It's not with me. It's what the Scriptures say, and you can count on that. You'll live a while. If it were I and I were you, I would say no to myself. And say, Lord, I'm humbling myself before you because I don't want my life to end up wasted. Because it was lived for me and the power of my own energy. I want to trust you. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, 19, I'm indebted to David Haster, one of our elders. In our time before, he, he was asking me, what are you teaching on today? And I told him, hope and I had forgotten this verse in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 19. Look at it. Hebrews 6, 19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. 
where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Don't you like that word picture? This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. It's the remedy for soul sickness, heart sickness, hope sickness, whatever term you might wish to attach to this inner sense of hopelessness, despair. That's what the idea is. Hope is the anchor of the soul. Because we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things yet without sin. So then let us draw near with confidence. Boldness is the idea. Confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace. Now listen carefully. To help in the time of need. One translator rightly translates this, just in the nick of time. That's our Lord. He's the one who's interceding for us. He's the one who gives us hope. Our hope is built on nothing less, we sang maybe in this service. I know we did last night in the first service. But Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Join me in prayer. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we encourage you to do that today. Trust in Him today. Trust in Him alone. Give up your independence in favor of His superintendence of your life. Let Him be your boss. Not just a part-time Savior, but a full-time Lord in your life. We encourage you to that. And if you know the Lord, but you feel a large measure of hopelessness, then the answer for you and for me, I know that feeling. I know that experience. You may be experiencing it. I have it every once in a while. Due to a refusal on my part to submit to the Lord and to be in the Word of God, listening to Him. To say to the Lord, Lord, help me. Give me the discipline to be a man or woman of Your Word so that I can know You and receive what You have for me in terms of hope and be a tool to minister hope to those in my family, in my church, in my workplace, in my community, in my school. Lord, help me. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.